0: We should pray that things change and that people can be united. There's a lot of tribalism in South Sudan and we are not a nation. So we should pray for nationalism, good governance. We also need transparency and also we pray for finance, climate finance, that the government will be able to redirect funds to climate change or climate change response.
1: Welcome to Renew Our World podcast. Renew Our World is a global movement of Christians who believe in helping one another, calling for justice, and caring for creation. Join us this season as we'll be discussing the latest in climate news, chatting with theologians, activists, and some of our incredible members and friends working on the ground. I am your host, Jessica Wally. This episode was recorded live at COP27 in Egypt. Hi everyone, welcome to this uh, episode of the podcast. I'm Jessica Wally and today I am joined by
0: Joanne Rachel, the advocacy coordinator for South Sudan Council of Churches.
1: Okay, so I'll be having a conversation with Juan for the next few minutes. And uh, we're just going to see the climate situation in South Sudan and also what young people are doing in the advocacy of uh, climate uh, justice. So Juan, welcome uh, to the podcast and uh, could you just uh, give us an insight of how South Sudan is looking like today um, with, when it comes to the issues of climate change?
0: Okay, South Sudan is very vulnerable at the moment and there are floods, there is a lot of drought and because of the oil extraction there is a lot of uh, damage on the soil and we are losing a lot of agricultural land. The women are not doing so well because the oil spills are affecting their bodies. Um, I hear stuff about infertility, miscarriages, so generally South Sudan is not looking good. Ten years back, we sh- we used to have rains, a lot of rains in October, but now it's very limited, and people are losing their crops, losing their sources of livelihood, which is agriculture. And because of the floods, people are moving with their cattle, and when they go to these other areas, they are destroying the crops of those those communities, and that is bringing a lot of conflict. So that is the relationship between climate change and the conflicts in South Sudan. It's not doing well in terms of the policies. There are no policies that are in regard to climate change um, response. And I think that we need to do more. And honestly, to be honest, this COP27 is not bringing out the real things that we are talking about. It's not talking about action. It's, It's just mainly on advocacy, but we are pushing for action. Okay, uh,
1: you've mentioned some of the uh, effects of climate change in South Sudan and one being uh, women being affected. Um, for how long have uh, those changes uh, been noticeable like in South Sudan? For how long have you been noticing that the women, uh, uh, the fertilities is being affected? and also uh, they're having miscarriages and so on. For how long has that been happening and for, uh, for you to actually notice that this, this is one of the effects of uh, climate change, actually?
0: South Sudan, before it became South Sudan, that was before 2011, there has been extraction of oil. And this has been happening a lot, but not documented. So I could say it has been happening since time immemorial, but because people have not been assessing the effects of the oil, we have not been able to let the world know about this. But I was able to lead, to, to lead uh, a team that was researching about how the oil is affecting our society. And that was when I was able to see physically how women are suffering from these oil spills. Others are talking about malfunctioning of their bodies. And I'm thinking, as a country, we need to respond to this. We need to find a way on how to stop extracting our oil and find better ways Of living of surviving because we are losing and we're damaging things around us and we're losing our lives so this this is really I think we need to do more and do you think uh,
1: the women that are actually affected do you think they realize that it's actually because of the oil spills which is as a result of climate change do they realize that's the reason why maybe they've been uh, um, having such uh, problems
0: with their bodies yes because they live near the oil fields so As time goes by, they see the changes in their bodies and in 2008, there was a leakage on the pipeline because of the the way it was met, it just burst. And after after some time, after some years, the women saw that the babies they were giving birth to, some did not have limbs, some did not have eyes, so that that it brings about the genetic um, malfunctioning and they could see that because they live near the oil fields, this is why. And those that live far, it's not happening to them. Okay. So that's that's the thing. Okay, so there's a difference
1: actually with uh, women that are nearby and those that are, are, are living like uh, in far places when it comes to the uh, maybe the changes of bodies and just
0: health-wise them being affected that's right it's different and for me i stay in the capital which is very far from where the oil is being extracted and when we hear the stories of the women they talk about harassment they talk about violation of their rights they are losing their land because they're not supposed to stay near the oil fields and they're not compensated for that so they're able to to reflect on how much the extraction of the oil is affecting their lives and their bodies and their families because they are moving and they are moving away from places that have sentimental value to them so
1: um, in the in the uh, face of all these uh, unfortunate uh, you know uh, health hazards especially uh, when it comes to women have uh, what are some of the things that have been done to just try and suit to eat that uh, the women don't continue to be affected in that line and also just everyone's health, like what are some of the things that are being done or is there anything that has been done at all?
0: There is nothing that is being done at the moment. Women still continue to suffer. The only thing they do is to tell them to move away from the oil fields and they're not given compensation. There there is no health facility, it's only other agencies that come in that are non-governmental but the government is not doing anything there are no policies if they are there is no implementation so it's safe for me to say that there is nothing being done and that's why I called for action in the beginning Okay. Uh, let's look
1: at the church you are representing the church actually so let's look at the church what is the church doing in trying that uh, maybe people are aware first of all of uh, these uh, hazards that are happening uh, because of climate change and also what is the church doing to try and uh, help Um, uh, the people maybe adapt
0: or just mitigate uh, the effects of climate change. The church has uh, leverage on the number of people that they meet and every Sunday they use that space to pass pastoral messages on how we can protect our environment, and nurture it. And that's one way that they do that. Another way is through advocacy on policy. The church has an advantage of meeting policy makers and in that way we're able to tell them about the voices of the people and how much they are affected. And we pray that as we continue with our chateau diplomacy, there will be some kind of adopting some policies that support climate change response and it should be gender specific because it's mostly women and children that are suffering from it so that's basically what the church is doing and also um, in addition to that there is a lot of planting trees that we are doing to show that even if we there's a lot of deforestation going on we need to replant reforestation, and we need to get alternatives on the kind of fuel that we use as a country Okay, um,
1: let's talk about uh, the change, the uh, policy makers and the young people. How are they working together to just uh, try and ensure that uh, South Sudan becomes a better place, especially for the women that are being affected uh, with, uh, you know, that are having issues with their health or because of uh, the effects of
0: climate change? There is an intergenerational gap in South Sudan for the youth they do not have a space where they come together to discuss the same issues. But as the church, we try through our spaces to bring the young people The older people and the policy makers together to discuss and it's about mapping out their roles because as young people we have the energy we have the time and we need to build their capacity so bringing them together as the church because we are credible we are legitimate we are able to bring them together to discuss but the priority in south sudan has not been climate change because it has been conflict resolution it has been about rebuilding ourselves from the conflict so right now it's not the priority but being at COP I'm using this opportunity to advocate for prioritizing climate change response but as the church we are able to work together I know when I go back and I'll speak to the leaders of the church that we need to make climate change a priority for all of us so it's about reconvening the young people the women and the youth to speak about this okay.
1: um as we'll be wrapping up our our um, episode, uh, let's look at uh, what are some of the things that you would recommend the young people to take center stage in into to just ensure that, you know, South Sudan becomes a beta place because as young people, uh, definitely maybe you are guaranteed to have more life and uh, if you don't do much at all it will mean that whatever um, uh, damages that are happening today you live with them uh, with the years coming in so what would you recommend uh, young people what can they do or what can uh, how can they be active in ensuring that they uh, make sure that they,
0: they protect uh, South Sudan that they're living in the first thing is valid information We don't have information on climate change. So I think seeking the information is important. Another one is capacity. How do we build our capacity on how we can respond to climate change? That's very important. Then we need to get to know about traditional methods of response because I know they are existent and when we get this information from the older generation there will be a difference. We can work with the government to conduct research on how this is affecting us and what we can do best on our context. And as young people I told you in the beginning we do have the energy. And then finally we need to unite ourselves, we need to get numbers, numbers is is very important when it comes to response. Right now, I see young people building dikes um, in different areas that are affected by the floods, but they don't have an early warning system in place. They don't know where to go. So, information is very important. Capacity building is important, which is education, and then advocating for policies by the government. And the young people can do that, also raising awareness because they have access to different stakeholders. So I think that's what young people can do. Okay um
1: how can the global change uh, pray for south sudan I understand you are representing the change and uh you know uh, in as much as the church is doing what they're doing they'll also need some help from the global change from the people outside of south sudan and even for the people within south sudan so how would you like the global change to pray for south sudan to just try and uh, uh Uh, see, especially for the people in the front line of climate uh, change effects,
0: how can the global change pray for South Sudan? We should pray for peace, we should pray for good governance, we should pray for good political leaders because they make the decisions. We should pray that things change and that people can be united. There's a lot of tribalism in South Sudan and we are not a nation. So we should pray for nationalism, good governance. We also need transparency, and also we pray for finance, climate finance, that the government will be able to redirect funds to climate change or climate change response. And uh, my final maybe message could be that the World Council of Churches can look into building the capacity of church leaders, because they need to know about climate change response. They are the first place people go to. So they need to know, and they need to know how to do it. So the the world, or the, the World Council of Churches, can do that, building the capacity of the world church, the church leaders. Okay, um, and also I should
1: um, um, make mention that uh, you are not just speaking um, for the church in South Sudan, but you're also speaking for the young people in South Sudan that uh, you know may not have the um, opportunities to speak in, in places and spaces where you are able to speak. So when somebody hears uh, the name Rachel Juan, what would you want them to remember you for? What's that word that they would connect? What's that quote that they would connect you to? If Anybody, wherever they'll be like, if they read this name, I'll like, I think I heard her say
0: something about this. What's that that you'd want them to just uh, link to you? Because I come from a conflict-stricken country, my quote or my word is going to be peace and youth for peace. It's just about young people coming together, pushing for peace, pushing for a healthy environment, pushing for a good climate where we can all survive. It's about survival, but more than survival is thriving. So youth for peace and then protecting our environment so we can thrive as young people. Thank you so much for uh,
1: this opportunity. It's really amazing to get to know how South Sudan is actually doing, especially uh, in the midst of uh, climate change. Uh, we understand that the stories are different from each uh, place, one place from the other, they're all different. So it's amazing that, uh, you know, that is the story when it comes to South Sudan and also unfortunate, especially for the women uh that their health have been affected in such in such a way so what is your last word I, as i i have not said that i didn't say it so what's your last word now this is like the last last word. <laughs> what's your last word as we
0: conclude with uh, this episode of the podcast let's continue to talk about things that are close to us let's continue to speak the truth because when you speak the truth that's when you'll be heard Let's continue to be united in love. Let's continue to educate ourselves. And let's continue to read, especially as young people, to bring about change. All
1: right. Thank you so much, Rachel. And I wish you the best. And we'll be praying for South Sudan.
0: Thank you for having me. Okay. Thank you. All
1: right, so that was uh, Rachel Juan from South Sudan, uh, a young person that is trying to do um, uh, the most when it comes to activism, uh, that's climate activism, and also, like she said, we should continue to pray for South Sudan so that they should be in a better place, especially for the women in South Sudan, that uh, they can uh, make sure that they get to be healthy, even though they are being affected. Uh, with uh, different health hazards and uh, that is affecting them in so many ways such as um, fertility and also miscarriages which is uh, something really really uh, bad that a woman would go through that simply because of uh, the effects of climate change so it's been Jessica Wally until the next episode on uh, this amazing uh, uh, podcast when I get to have another amazing uh, guest Thank you so much and let's continue to pray for the world. Let's continue to pray for peace. And specifically on this episode, let's continue to pray for South Sudan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Renew Our World podcast. Be sure to visit our website at renewourworld.net. And if you love this episode, subscribe and learn more about Renew Our World campaign and some of what our members and friends are doing. Until next time, remember, you are God's child, met in His image, so smile.